0: You are listening to the Redeeming God podcast with Jeremy Myers. Hey there. So I'm taking a short break from Ephesians. And the reason is because one of my listeners or readers reached out to me last week or the week before and is sponsoring me to record one of my books into an audio book. He wanted the my book uh, The Atonement of God as an audiobook because he likes to listen to audiobooks on his commute and as he drives around. I do have some audiobooks available but not this one and I typically have not recorded too many audiobooks because they are very time consuming and um, but he wanted this one so I'm recording it for him If you wanted some of my other books recorded in an audio book, because you too benefit from those, just uh, send me an email, reach out to me, contact me through my website or something, and we can begin that conversation. But uh, as a result of recording that, all of my recording time has been consumed with recording this book. I hope to have it done by the end of October. And I just recorded Chapter 5 earlier today. From the book, and so I'm going to give you a little bit of a preview by including that in this podcast episode today. Chapter five is interesting because I use what we reveal or what Jesus reveals to us on the cross to teach us a new way to read the Bible. And chapter five of my book uh, reveals the, the title is it reveals the truth about Scripture. It's sort of a preview to another book that I am writing called the Bible Mirror. Uh, I I go into great more depth and detail about how to properly read the Bible through the lens of Jesus and Him crucified. And then I work my way through many troubling Old Testament texts and show you how to read those. Very specifically with this lens of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The book is not done. (laughs) It's one of the 10 or 15 books that is about 60 to 70 percent done, and I just haven't had time to finish it. Uh, And then do all the editing and typesetting. On a related note, I'm considering maybe approaching some publishers about publishing some of my books. That would help me a lot. I just, it's so time consuming to write and publish and then do all the typesetting and and everything else. So if you know, happen to know any publishers or authors that uh, might want to publish some of my books for me, Boy, have them, or you reach out to me. Let's get into contact. Let's begin a discussion, because I I know that I have so many books I want. They're pretty much all written, and they need to get out there. I just don't have the time for it. Anyway, um, who knows? I'm throwing it out there. We'll see what comes available, what opportunities are presented, and um, we'll go from there. All right, hey, enjoy this little reading out of Chapter 5. It's pretty short. The first two chapters of the book are quite long, but the final ten are rather short. So you'll enjoy this, I think. It's like, uh, what, 12, 15 minutes, something like that. Okay, once I'm done with recording this book, we will get back to my studies on Ephesians. Without further ado, here is chapter 5 from my book, The Atonement of God, How a Nonviolent Atonement Reveals the Truth About Scripture. The nonviolent view of the atonement allows us to see God through the lens of Jesus on the cross which in turn provides a whole new perspective on Scripture. When we read the Bible with crucifixion eyes, the entire Bible becomes a brand new book. It becomes a book that reveals to us that we humans are the ones who cause bad things to happen in this world. It becomes a book that reveals God as only loving and forgiving. It shows us that when bad things happen in this world, it is not because God sent such things or even allowed them to happen, but that such things occur because of our own sin and because we live in a world with an infinite number of variables beyond our understanding or control. We also learn that God is not absent, neglectful, or inactive in our pain, but enters into it with us. God loves us so much, he even allows us to crucify his name by blaming him for every evil action and bad event that occurs. Just as Jesus bore the sins of the world on himself as a testimony of his love for us, so also God has always been bearing the sin, blame, and shame of the sins of the world upon himself out of his great love for us. When God looks guilty for the sins of the world, it is not because he is guilty, but because, just like Jesus, he has allowed us to lay our sin and guilt upon his shoulders. What we see about God in Jesus Christ helps explain the way God is portrayed in the Old Testament. By being killed in the name of God, Jesus revealed that we have been sinning and murdering from the beginning in the name of God. And that every evil done in the name of God was not because God wanted or commanded these things done. Instead, we ourselves wanted to do such things, but didn't want to take the blame or responsibility for them, and so we blamed God. Just as with the killing of Jesus in God's name, so also we humans throughout history have killed, destroyed, and stolen from others In God's name, we put God's stamp of approval on our own evil actions, thereby making Him the scapegoat and relieving us of the guilt and shame we feel for our sin. In this way, the Old Testament is not primarily a revelation from God about God, but rather a revelation from God about humanity. In many ways, the Old Testament does more to reveal ourselves to us than it does to reveal God to us. It reveals what is in the heart of humankind more than it reveals what is in the heart of God. It is true what James says. The scriptures are a mirror by which we see our own face. Furthermore, We turn away from what we see about ourselves within the pages of Scripture to our own detriment. This helps solve the debate over inspiration and inerrancy. When we realize that the Bible is God's inspired and inerrant revelation to humanity about humanity and what is in the heart of humanity, we can easily understand why there is so much wrong being done within the pages of Scripture in the name of God. Though the problem of violence originates with humans, the response to it implicates both God and humanity. Caught up in a mimetic rivalry, they attribute to God. Humans then conceive God as the mirror image of their own escalating conflict. If we are to judge from the Bible's own plot, none of these violent representations of God give a full or adequate characterization of God's true nature but they do tell fundamental truths about the human condition and our relation with God. So scripture is not only a revelation of God to us, it is also a revelation of man to us. Both are revealed inerrantly within the pages of scripture. How can we know when scripture is revealing God to us and when it is revealing man to us? We can know it by looking at Jesus. He is the perfect and fullest revelation of God. So, whenever a depiction of God in the Old Testament does not look like the depiction of Jesus in the Gospels, we can know that those Old Testament passages are not revealing God to us, but are instead revealing the heart of man and how we project our sin and evil upon God in order to make ourselves feel better about what we are doing. This is especially true when it comes to the violent portions of the Old Testament. As René Girard points out in his books, but especially in Sacred Violence and The Scapegoat, all human cultures and societies throughout time seek to bring peace between warring factions by turning the wrath of both groups upon an outside third party. And they nearly always do this in the name of God. They believe that by killing this outsider in the name of God, God will bring peace to their community. People believe that this newcomer, or outsider, is the one who has created all the problems in their culture and society, and so by killing this other person, they destroy the disruptor of peace, the bringer of sin, the creator of chaos. Since God clearly wants peace and unity, it is obviously God's will that this outsider be killed. And usually, a temporary peace results from the death of the scapegoat. This is what happened in the tinderbox of Jerusalem when the religious and political factions united together against Jesus. They sought to create peace by blaming Jesus for their problems and killing him in the name of God. The death of Jesus was not something God wanted or demanded in order to forgive sins but was something people wanted in order to restore order and bring peace to a situation that was escalating out of control. When we see how the religious and political authorities collaborated to kill Jesus in God's name so that there might be peace in Jerusalem, we gain a clear revelation of what was going on in all violent Old Testament texts when people kill others in God's name to bring peace. Their tribe or nation. Jesus, of course, never behaved this way, which reveals to us that God never behaved this way either. When we see passages in the Old Testament that portray God as killing his enemies, what we actually have in those passages is an accurate and inerrant divine revelation about what is in the heart of mankind. The Bible is perfectly true, not because the Bible always presents a true reflection of God, but because the Bible is a perfect mirror into which we look to see the reflection of our own human hearts. The sections that are wrong about God are the sections that are perfectly accurate about us. Mark Heim explains, What is violence doing in the Bible? It is telling us the truth. The truth about our human condition, about the fundamental dynamics that lead to human bloodshed, and most particularly, the truth about the integral connection between religion and violence. There is no way to be truthful without exhibiting these things. If we complain that the tales of Genesis and the bloody sacrifices of Leviticus and the fire for revenge in the Psalms are too sordidly, familiarly human to have any place in religious revelation, we make an interesting admission that they reveal our humanity all too well. What is violence doing in the Bible? It is showing us the nature of the mimetic conflict that threatens to destroy human community. It is showing us the religious dynamic of scapegoating sacrifice that arises to allay such crisis. It is letting us hear the voices of the persecuted victims and their pleas for revenge and vindication. The Old Testament is an anti-myth. It is thick with bodies, the voices of victims and threatened victims. The Bible is violent because humans are violent. We are uncomfortable with the violence in Scripture because it reveals the violence that is in the human heart. By blaming this violence upon God, we commit the same sin that our ancestors committed when they first engaged in their violent behavior. We must break out of the cycle of mimetic violence by admitting that these violent texts do not reveal God to us, but instead reveal our own violent hearts. When we read in the Bible about God doing and saying things that look completely unlike Jesus dying on the cross— It is in those instances that we can understand that the Bible is showing us our own face rather than the face of God. It is in those instances where we need to carefully observe what the mirror of Scripture shows us and then make sure that we do not turn away, forgetting what we have seen, but instead take steps to correct what we see in our own lives. As long as we ignore the revelation of God in Jesus Christ on the cross— and deceive ourselves into thinking that the revelation about man in the Old Testament is really a revelation about God, we can continue to behave in sinful and selfish behaviors, all the while assuming that we are doing what God wants. But when we realize that God is like Jesus, and that the un like behavior of God in various Old Testament texts is actually an inspired revelation about how we humans do evil in the name of God, we can no longer continue to live as we were, but must take steps to live like Jesus while not blaming our evil upon God. All examples of violence in Scripture are not given to show us how to behave, but instead are provided to reveal to us our own intrinsic desire for violence, and especially how we place the blame for this violence upon God, by making it divinely sanctioned violence. One place this is seen most clearly is in the sacrificial violence of the Bible.